0: The Gospel story today, this tale of hardly anything doing so much, of so many being fed from so little, this Gospel story is the only story besides the crucifixion and resurrection that's told in all four Gospels. The only one. Raising Lazarus from the dead is told in one Gospel. Jesus walking on water. Calming the sea occurs in three Gospels only. This tale occurs in all four, which is enough to suggest that we listen, really listen. But when you add to that the fact that two Gospels, Matthew and Mark, seem to tell the story twice, we really have here is a call to pay attention. Six repetitions in four Gospels. Sit up, that says. Take notice. This matters. But what? What is it that matters here? Could it be that it happens to a discouraged Jesus and a demoralized people? It begins just as Jesus hears when he heard this, which is what they had all heard, news of the execution of their prophet, John the Baptist. Political power, brutal, greedy political power has trampled what little hope, what little voice they had. And Jesus has gone off to a deserted place to be alone and to grieve that. The crowds have left the towns, To go to a deserted place, perhaps following Jesus, but certainly fleeing the face of power, if only for a moment. Could that be what matters to you? Or could it be that Jesus himself, exhausted and grieving, does not withdraw from the people that come to surround him, but instead responds to compassion? That even such a time does not require hardness or turning from one another. matters here? Could it be that they're all together, so many, strangers to each other, but bound by their grief and in coming together in community is the strength to go on, the nurturing of the spark of hope, of possibility? Or perhaps it's that this is a story about food, belly filling food, when the number one issue was hunger, the vast bulk of people barely surviving, many not, while the few elite enjoyed their banquets, took people's lands, and silenced protest. What matters here? Could it be that all ate and were filled? And who knows how many? The story says 5,000 men. But who knows how many women and children besides? Another 5,000? 10,000? More? was enough, could that be what matters? Or could it be simply that this is a miracle, that the bread and fish never ran out, that somehow so little just kept multiplying and became an inexhaustible supply and filled so many? Now I've told you before that I don't read miracles in terms of magic as unexplainable supernatural events, as the, as the eerie intervention of some being suspending the patterns of the universe to make things turn out a certain way. I no more believe that than I think I can walk through walls. I read mean a miracle more in terms of something that stirs us to wonder. A marvel, a perhaps surprising but certainly good thing that gives us pause and makes a claim on us. So if it's not magic, what is the miracle in this story? Where did all that food come from? I've told you before, my reading of the story, that, that the disciples began to give what little food they had, which sparked others to begin to share what little food they had, and in the end, the sharing of all of those little bits amounted to a whole lot, more than enough leftovers. But if that's where all the food came from, if that's what this miracle is about, we're still left with the question, what matters here? And I suspect the place to discover that is to listen closely to the disciples. They come to Jesus beginning to get anxious that this impromptu community gathered here to process John the Baptist's death is staying a bit too long and that folks will begin to get hungry pretty soon and they ask Jesus to send them away. No. You feed them, Jesus tells the anxious disciples and they think the son has gotten to him. They say, looking out over the vast crowd, all we have is a few loaves and a couple of fish. So bring them, Jesus tells them. Says that undaunted by their hesitance and their feeling of of, of being overwhelmed. He tells the crowds to sit down, which means to make intimate space together, community space. And then he directs the disciples to give the food. All we have, they had said. And now they stand facing this vast sea of hungry faces. All we have? Can't make a dent in that, they thought. All we have just isn't enough, they meant. Not near enough. And now they stand there feeling so inadequate, directed by Jesus to give. And they do. They do. They share what little they have. They prime the pump, so to speak, and the spigot opens up. They offer their meager bid. Give. Share. They do. And perhaps that's what matters most. That something opens their imaginations from where they've been stuck That something eased them past no way to let's try. That something stirred them to dare, to to share, to move past not enough on the way to plenty and to help make it happen. That something opened their eyes, their minds, their hearts to the power of being community, of belonging to each other, of trusting each other, of taking care of each other, so that they were able to take that first step that sparked a flow of abundance. Perhaps what matters most here is that, that we hear that, see that, that we find that crying open a small space in our imaginations, a space through which something other than our hesitations, our not enoughs, Power, too little, so fused, can't make a dance, no ways, through which something other than those can pour. Perhaps what matters is just the barest shift of perception. So we might not be willing to short circuit any possibility by our convictions of scarcity, of too little, not enough, inadequate, but might instead be willing to bring little we have, to give what we have, what we are, to share what little we have or are and see what happens. Perhaps what matters most is the barest unleashing of our imaginations, enough to dislodge the resources we have that we hold on to, our caring, our time, our money, our effort, our hearts, enough to dislodge those resources that we've held on to because we've dismissed them as too little, too inadequate, too scarce, to dislodge them so they become a beginning. There's an old corny tale that sort of crystallizes what's at stake in the story of abundance. It's the story of a man wandering through a desert, desperately dehydrated, dying of thirst, when he comes upon an old rusty pump that has a note attached. Dear friend, the note says, this pump is all right as of June 1932. I put a new sucker washer in it and it should last for years, but the washer dries out and needs to be primed. So under the white rock just to the north, I buried a bottle of water out of the sun and all poured it out. There's enough water in the bottle to prime the pump, but not if you take a drink. Pour about half of the water on the leather washer and let it soak. Then pour the rest of it on and start the pump, and you'll get plenty of water. When you've gotten all the water you need, fill the bottle, put it back under the rock, So the next soul who comes by thirsty can find it. Sure enough, this thirsty man turns and there's the rock. And under the rock is the bottom. It's poured down and full of water. And what does he do? What do you do? You risk what little you have. Do you dare use it knowing that means using it up? Can you even begin to envision the possibility that more might come from it? That enough might come from it? That abundance might come from it? The miracle in this gospel tale is that the disciples take the risk. They move from seeing only meager resources. This is all we've got. So little. To see, instead, a beginning, a barest whiff of hope, the primer for the pump. But the question isn't about them, but us. What would we do with our conviction of inadequacy? Our sense of scarcity, our too little, not enough whether we feel it in terms of who we are or what we have, of the caring in us or of our time or our money or our ability or our numbers, what will we do? Will we be determined by that sense? Withdrawal, play it safe, give up, give in. Or will we let something else clean our imaginations? Give ourselves to a different sense, embrace who we are and what we have and acknowledge it as enough, enough to begin. Will we step up and offer what we have, offer who we are, as limited as it, is it may seem, and see what happens? Commenting on this gospel story, commenting on the abundance that have Barbara Brown Taylor expresses a caution about miracle stories. They encourage us to leave everything up to God, she says. They appeal to the part of us that's all too happy to let God feed the crowd, save the world, do it all. Reading this story, she imagines God saying this to us. Stop waiting for food to fall from the sky. Share what you have. Stop waiting for a miracle and participate in one instead. Stop waiting for a miracle and participate in one instead. That's what this story asks of us, to participate in one instead. To embrace who we are, to give who we are, to share what we have, to see how much flows from it. Perhaps enough perhaps more, dare we imagine it? Dare we risk it?